It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is December 5th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosperreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Coming through you here today with a big, big uh, not a big episode, I guess it's a regular episode of Locked On Magic as we'll talk all about the Magic's loss to the Charlotte Hornets on Monday as well as talk about some free-throw shooting and a little bit more about the offense and, and what feels different about the offense. NG uh, here on a positive note as we get through to the next set of games and, and a stretch of games that actually feels like, knock on wood, feels like it could be a little bit easier and a chance to get some victories and kind of get back on the right foot. Um, as, as Aaron Gordon said, I think after Sunday's game, over the New York Knicks, it feels like the Magic are starting to play like they did at the beginning of the season. Uh, and and even though they lost on Monday, I would tend to agree. They're getting back to that level of play, and that means some victories, or at least playing about 500 basketball should follow. And if, if, if they play about 500 basketball, you know maybe some teams will fall to them. Eventually, the Magic will have to make a move, but uh, maybe this is the time to do it with a couple of easy games on the schedule. But let's get into Monday's game real fast. The Orlando Magic played the Charlotte Hornets up at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was a frustrating game in many ways. Um, it was a game that I think had a lot of people look, focusing on maybe the wrong thing. Maybe. Um, I would say they're focusing on the wrong thing. A lot of the a lot of the debates and, and questions I fielded after the game were about what I feel like is the wrong thing. But we'll talk about it in just a moment. Uh, but the Magic lost to the Charlotte Hornets 104-94, a game that I think the Magic afterwards said that they felt like they could win. It was a game that they felt like uh, they had every chance to win, and indeed they did. Uh, early in the fourth, the Magic were trailing, were led for most of the first half, I think, actually. Uh, and then turnovers kind of hit them. They, they fell behind a little bit, and then turnovers really hit them. Uh, fouls really hit them at the end of the second quarter, and that was a consistent theme throughout the game, turnovers and fouls. Charlotte took about a 10-point lead, held that 10-point lead for much of the third quarter, and then Orlando's second unit, after struggling at the end of the first quarter, 
did a much better job at the end of the third quarter, brought the Magic back to within one, one possession, and then it was a little bit of a fight, almost literally a fight. Orlando was trailing by, I think it was one point at the time, one or three points, somewhere in the one to five, you know, a couple possessions. And Maurice Spates then shoves Cody Zeller. I thought this was a huge turning point in the game, one that, that we don't talk about enough um, coming out of this game. Uh, but that gave the Hornets some free points. It not only came off of a turnover where the Hornets scored on a breakaway dunk, Spates gave them free points on the flagrant foul, and Charlotte was off to the races there. They were back up uh, comfortably in that game. In that game, Orlando made one more push. Alfred Payton, though, missed a layup with the Magic down by four. Charlotte went to the other end, scored a three, and they, the Hornets held it to about seven to ten points. The rest of the game, Orlando was not able to make a concerted push. And really, the reason they weren't able to make a concerted push was because of something that was completely their fault. The Magic fouled a ton in this game. 30 personal fouls, leading to 40 free throw attempts for the Charlotte Hornets. Kemba Walker with 14 of them. Nicholas Batum with 8. Cody Zello went to the line 4 times. Jeremy Lamb 4 times. Frank Kaminsky 4 times. Those are numbers that you don't want to see. Those are guys that are going to the line a lot that typically don't. Kemba Walker does go to the line a lot. And really, it was without Dwight Howard going to the line. Dwight Howard only went to the line three times this year. And Charlotte, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, the refs were calling it kind of tight. Um, you know, maybe they could have let some things go, but I, I did think the Magic fouled them. There was a lot of bumping. There was just a lot of kind of sloppy play. Challenging Walker at the rim especially. Challenging guys at the rim. Some lazy defense, which leads to fouls. Leads to leads to you know leads to those opportunities when you play lazy defense when you don't use your verticality when you don't kind of stand your ground, uh, and, and that's kind of what the Magic did all night defensively. They are at least for parts of the night defensively they were not able to contain Walker and, uh, and the perimeter. That's no surprise there. Uh, he scores twenty nine points, dishes out seven assists again, fourteen for fourteen from the foul line. Um, Orlando just was not able to. Get the get the push that they needed because they kept getting in their own way, and so say what you want about the officials. Yeah, maybe they called it a little tight, but they were fairly consistent throughout the game. And other than the fouling, you know, Orlando did a good job defensively. Charlotte shoots only forty point five percent from the floor. They had a an offensive rating that was less than a point per possession. Three for seventeen from beyond the arc. What really stands out is the free throw shooting, 33 for 40 from the foul line. That was the difference in the game for Orlando. And honestly, you know, Frank Vogel said after the game he was going to send tape to the to league. He was going to try and have a discussion with the league. It really didn't feel like the Magic didn't commit those fouls. Charlotte, to their credit, is the top free throw shooting team in the league or the top team at getting to the foul line. Their free throw rate leads the league. So... They do this. They get to the foul line. They put pressure on your defense. And the Magic, I think, succumbed to frustration uh, on that end. They, that only digs you deeper when you're dealing with a team that gets to the foul line like Charlotte does. And it erased what was a pretty good defensive effort. Now, everyone wants to talk about the fouls. Uh, we'll talk about the fouls in a moment. Orlando only shot 14 free throws in the game, which, yeah, there's a little bit of a disparity there. But I, I think the way Orlando attacks, they don't draw fouls. I, I think that, I mean, that has been a consistent struggle for this Magic team. And so... I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But offensively, Orlando never really got themselves going either. The Magic shoot 43.9% from the floor. I think their offensive rating hovered at around 91 or 92. 10 for 32 from beyond the arc. They commit 20 turnovers. Jonathan Simmons had four. Alfred Payton had three. DJ Augustin had three. Maurice Spates had two. 
Every time it seemed like the Magic were getting ready to make a push, they went through a spell of turnovers. I mean, first quarter, Magic had a comfortable lead. Looked like they were going to have control of the game. Five turnovers in the first quarter, flipped the game around, gave Charlotte back control, and gave Charlotte the, the, the upper hand. And again, I think we've seen this in the last few weeks. Orlando plays much better when they're ahead. Um, it's easier to play when you're ahead, but I think Orlando str- has struggled this year when they've had to chase the lead, when they've had to kind of chase a deficit uh, and not have control over a game and not be able to control the pace of a game. Having said that, despite all that, I thought Orlando's defense played well outside of the fouling, which you know kind of came in spurts too, like the turnovers. Um, I thought the Magic's defense kept them in the game, even though the offense wasn't working. I mean, Aaron Gordon shoots four for 15, and you still have a chance to win the game. I thought there were some good things to see there from, from Orlando. 24 assists on 36 field goal makes, so the Magic were getting the ball moving. Charlotte played some very strong defense. They did a good job closing out on shooters. If the Magic weren't crisp, the Hornets recovered. That's what they do. And so Orlando really had to begin forcing some things, and, and that's where they got into a little bit of trouble with the turnovers. Um, they were frustrated. I think they weren't getting kind of the same calls. I, I don't think I don't think Charlotte was fouling, to be honest. Um, a lot of people wanted to say that the refs were bad in this game, and it was a poorly officiated game. I am not convinced of that. Um, I, I think that certainly maybe there were a few, there are definitely calls here or there, as there are in every game, that the refs didn't call consistently. But I felt like the Magic committed fouls, uh, and Charlotte did not. I thought Charlotte kept their verticality. They are a very good, disciplined defensive team, uh, and they proved that out in this game. And so I think I, I, I just, I just don't. I, my, I mean, I said this on online uh, to people that were coming at me, like frustrated. I wasn't agreeing with them that the refs were bad in this game. Uh, I, it's a pet peeve of mine. I don't blame refs for losses. The refs are what they are. You need to adjust as a player. Um, it can be frustrating. But you've got to adjust. As long as the officiating is consistent, which I thought it was tonight, I thought the refs called it tight, tight on that end. I thought they called it tight on the Magic's end too. The Magic just don't force the issue as much. Um, as long as it stays consistent, you've got to adjust as a player. And I don't think the Magic adjusted particularly well, and and that that's why you have a bit of the result that you have in this game. Uh, it, it was a game that the Magic could win. It was a game that they needed to execute a little bit better. And if they would have done that, even with giving up all the free throws that they gave up, they could have really given themselves a real chance to win. So Orlando, I think, left one, left one on the board, but a fair result in the end. I thought Charlotte was the better team on the night, um, made the plays that they needed to make, and got the victory over the Magic. 104-94 to at the Spectrum Center. The Magic are back in action Wednesday against the Atlanta Hawks at home, and it is Star Wars night, so live that porg life at the Amway Center. Let's run through some final stats for you real fast. Evan Fournier leads the way for the Magic with 18 points, 7 for 13, shooting 3 for 7 from beyond the arc. He was kind of the bailout guy, made some good bailout shots, um, did a good job getting in the paint. Again, I want to see Fournier get to the foul line more. He only had two free throws in the game. Uh, Definitely, again, that's going to be a theme. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, Jonathan Simmons, 15 points, 11 of those 15 in the first quarter, 7 for 12 shooting, 1 for 3 from beyond the arc, 6 rebounds. But four turnovers, his turnovers were a big issue, especially at the end of the first quarter. Uh, and while he was a huge factor at the beginning of the game, I thought he faded toward the end when the Magic needed a little bit of that ball creation, needed a little bit of that ability to get to the foul line, which he is the best on the team at getting in the foul line at about four free throw attempts per game. Did not shoot a free throw in this game, so maybe someone they should have turned to a little bit more. Um, Aaron Gordon with 14 points, four for 15 shooting, really struggled to shoot the ball tonight. Um kind of hunted his shot a little bit too much. Um, I, I know a lot of debate that I've had with people 
is all oh, the Magic need to run more plays for Aaron Gordon. He's not, you know, he, they need to feature him as a star. No, no, they don't. Um, he, you know, he took the most shots on the team on Monday night. 15 field goal attempts. I'm fine with him taking 15 field goal attempts. That's not the issue. The issue is how he gets those shots. He needs to get them within the flow of the offense, isolating Aaron Gordon, letting him shoot pull-ups, letting him shoot step-backs. Yeah, one or two of them per game is fine, but when he's in isolation, he's not very good, and I thought that the I thought the Hornets did a good job forcing him to put the ball on the floor and work in isolation, which is, which is I think, how you beat Aaron Gordon right now. Alfred Payton, 11 points, Nick, Nick, uh, 7 assists as well. Nikola Vucevic, 10 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 5 for 12 shooting. Uh, say what you want about Vucevic's defense. Uh, I do think Frank Vogel makes a good point that he does make the offense go. Um, five assists is a big thing. I think he really likes his passing. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't see any change at center coming soon. Vucevic does need to make shots. That that needs to be something that he does. Um, obviously, Kemba Walker just torched him. Vucevic had five fouls in the game. He was in foul trouble for most of the game. Actually, Vucevic only had four fouls, excuse me, but he was in foul trouble for a good chunk of the game as well as Kemba Walker just knows how to drive into him and Vucevic just, he doesn't hold his ground. I mean, that's... We know this about Vucevic. We know the defensive shortcomings, um, and, and obviously they come out against a scoring guard like Kemba Walker. Um, DJ Augustin off the bench has 13 points as the bench played a little bit better, um, uh, you know, uh, coming off a bad game against New York. Notables for the for the Hornets, Kemba Walker, of course, 29 points, 14 for 14 from the foul line, 7 assists. Nicholas Batum, 11 points, 11 rebounds. Dwight Howard, 12 points, 9 rebounds, including 4 offensive rebounds and 5 turnovers. Magic did a good job swarming him. Okay, doubling him a little bit and forcing him to uh, to make plays, and, and he made a lot of mistakes. The Hornets turned the ball over 14 times. They shoot 40.5% from the floor, 3 for 17 from beyond the arc. So outside of giving up 40 free throw attempts, a good defensive game for the Orlando Magic. Once again, the Orlando Magic fall to the Charlotte Hornets 104-94 to at the Spectrum Center on Monday. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And, you know, everyone everyone on my timeline and that I talked to, everyone was talking about the free throw disparity. It was a point of emphasis that Frank Vogel made in his post-game press conference um, he, he said that he would send tape to the league, and, and and I think that's him standing up for his guys. It's a little bit of politicking to try and make sure that the game isn't called as tight the next time around or they get some more of those calls the next time around. I mean, wouldn't surprise me if the Magic go out and shoot 25 free throws in Wednesday's game against the Hawks. I mean, that's, that's, that's how these things work. So there is a little bit of politicking going on, and I'm not saying it's not an issue. 
Uh, you know, I'm probably, you know, I'm probably digging my heels in a little bit too much to say that there were uh, not significantly bad calls on the Magic's, and I'm sure there were. Um, but you know, I, I am a let him play guy. I, I, I did think the game was called a little tighter than I would have liked, but you know, yes, the Hornets, but the Hornets got fouled. I mean, I, I, I there were there were maybe one or two, and and this happens every game, so I, I don't go crazy over it. There were a few calls that were like, okay, come on, that's not a foul, or yeah, no, the replay clearly shows that's not a foul. There were a few of those. There absolutely are, and there are a few of those in every game. But I thought 40 free throws was fair. The Magic were not playing strong defensively at the rim, and were not, were, and we're fouling a lot of these guys. There were there were moments where the defense was really really lazy. What I think is the real key for the Magic, though, and the real thing we need to focus on is the 14 free-throw attempts the Magic got. This has been a recurring problem for the last five years. Throughout this rebuild, Orlando has been among the worst teams at getting to the foul line. Now, free-throw rate is not necess- is one of the four factors. Um, if, if you're familiar with the, with the advanced stats movement, which you should be at this point, there are four statistics that Dean Oliver, in his infinite wisdom, the godfather of NBA analytics, uh, four statistics that were deemed to be the most telling of a result. You had offensive rating, defensive rating are kind of in their own category, but you had effective field goal percentage, essentially how well a team shot, giving the extra value of a three-pointer. Offensive rebound rate, how well a team got created extra possessions through offensive rebounds. Turnover rate, how many possessions are lost to turnovers. And finally, free throw rate. That is the ratio of free throws attempted to field goals attempted. Sometimes it's free throws made over field goals attempted, but the the uh, idea is essentially the same. How often the team gets to the foul line is sort of a sign of aggression, perhaps. Uh, and and again, uh, uh, just kind of free points because you know outside of layups and three pointers, the free throw is the most efficient shot in the game. So it's. It's not dispositive, though, because the San Antonio Spurs also have ranked at the bottom of the league in free throw rate for the last several years. So it's not a tell-all statistic. But the Magic have been at the bottom of the league in free throw rate for much of the last five years. There's no getting around that. This year, they've been a little bit better. They're not 28 or 29 or 30. The Magic this year are ranked 19th in the league in free throw rate. At 24.7%. So essentially, the Magic get one free throw for every four field goal attempts. That's okay. It's not great. It's not bad. The Hornets, I think, are up at like 30-something percent. So again, not surprised the Hornets got 40 free throws. They do that. That is their style. They get to the foul line. Um, so, you know, again, it's not crazy that there was there was that huge free throw disparity. But what what is crazy is that the Magic did not do a better job getting the foul line and, and just have not been able to do a better job getting to the foul line throughout their rebuild. It's not like the Magic have guys who are going to go to the foul line at the rate that James Harden or Russell Westbrook do, but there are guys that you expect a little bit more from. You know, you know, we uh, Victor Oladipo is back on Magic fans' tongues because of how well he's playing for the Indiana Pacers and wondering, why didn't we get this Victor Oladipo? And honestly, I think one of the reasons why the Magic ultimately decided to part ways with Oladipo was because 
he never could figure out how to get to the foul line. He could never figure out how to draw fouls. And everyone talked about it like it was a skill to learn. And Oladipo averaged a flat four free throw attempts per game with the Magic. But with how often he drove to the basket, it felt like it always should be a little bit more, maybe six or seven. For the record, he's now averaging five free throw attempts per game. So it's not an easy thing to solve. You look at some of the key players on the Magic, Nikola Vucevic has never averaged more than three free throw attempts per game with the Magic. He's currently averaging 1.7 attempts per game. Evan Fournier averages only 3.2 free throw attempts per game. For the amount of time these guys have the ball in their hands, they're not getting to the foul line. They're not getting these free and easy points. The team leaders, by the way, are Jonathan Simmons and Aaron Gordon. They're at about four free throw attempts per game. I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's that that what a normal number is. And it's not entirely clear whether there's a correlation between number of free throw attempts and victories for the Magic. But an inability to get to the foul line does seem to suggest that the Magic aren't playing strong offensively. In games where the Magic take fewer. Then 20 free throw attempts. The Magic are 3-9. and nine. In games where the Magic take 25 or more free throw attempts, they are 5-2. So yes, it does seem to suggest that getting to the foul line does have some value. There might be a little bit of a correlation. But it's really a mentality. It's really about... Uh, uh, a flow to the offensive system, getting the defense back on their heels and forcing them to foul you because of a mistake that they made or being just out of position a little bit. And so Orlando's been inconsistent at doing this. Their free throw attempt rate is better, and I think that's a sign that the Magic's offense is working at a little bit of a higher level. But at the same time, it's not consistent. The Magic don't have a go-to guy. They don't have a go-to guy, period. But they don't have a guy who finds contact, who seeks contact, and gets to the foul line. And so when you see those moments where the Magic's offense stagnates, and it does happen still, where the Magic are unable to generate points or generate even a good shot or a good look, that is the point where you're supposed to rely on getting to the basket and getting fouled. That's something Jonathan Simmons does decently well. Aaron Gordon's starting to do it a little bit better, although, again, I don't trust him so much in isolation. But Evan Fournier does not do that well. You know, one of the telling possessions for me, Evan Fournier tried to shoot over Nicholas Batum with this weird scoop shot, and Batum easily blocked it. Instead of driving in and going through contact, not wildly, you still got to be in control. But it always seems like Fournier is trying to go around players. Same thing with Vucevic. And Vucevic is now out on the perimeter so much, he's not banging down low to get fouls. Although he's always struggled getting fouls. 
This is a problem that is very difficult to solve. How do you get to the foul line? The Magic have been trying to figure that out for five years now. And I think in Monday's loss, that was very evident, especially going up against the best team at getting to the foul line. It's one of the reasons why I don't think the game was poorly officiated. Charlotte knows how to get to the foul line, and they're playing a weak defensive team, although the Magic played good defense for most of the night. A weak defensive team in the Magic. And the Magic are a team that doesn't always get to the foul line, especially against good defensive teams that have discipline and know how to use their verticality, know how to use their length. The Magic do have to solve this problem eventually if they want to continue being a strong offensive team. And I think it was the big reason why they lost Monday. They simply could not get to the foul line consistently. And that is going to be one of the tough things they'll have to figure out as this season goes on. How to continue to build, A, off their offense, but B, how to continue to build and get themselves over the hump and to the foul line. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Just to end things on a little bit of a positive note, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the offense in general. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't get, I guess, a, a great chance to go in-depth on the offense. and I'm going to kind of call back a, an article from earlier uh, that we wrote uh, on, on Orlando Magic Daily um, and, and linked that on the Facebook page. But, uh, you know, the Orlando Magic, surprisingly, and, and I was asked this in, in a Q&A that I'm, that I'm doing for, for another website, um, the Magic's offense has surprisingly been very good and it has remained pretty steady. No, the Magic are not. The Magic shooting has come back down to earth and they're not playing at the incredibly crazy rate that they were playing at the beginning of the year. But Orlando's kind of settled in at, a league average offense. They're currently 15th in the league in offensive rating with a 104.9 rating. And, you know, yeah, this maybe not the time to talk about it because the Magic didn't play great offensively on Monday. But, I mean, you add that element of the free throw shooting in and the Magic's offense gets that much better. This is a team that's been able to spread the floor consistently, been able to generate some ball movement, and been able to uh, uh, get a lot of scoring. Um, you know, you look at a game like Sunday's game against the Knicks. The Magic got a lot of scoring. Their, their offense was really flowing well. Uh, and they were able to create shot opportunities in places where their players like it. I mean, Monday we saw Aaron Aflalo get that left, get that right block, you know, tur- turnaround fadeaway that, that he used to love. 
you're seeing more and more the Magic getting Aaron Gordon involved in curls and 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 pin downs to get him the ball in the elbow areas where he can really work, you know, in in some limited space. Uh, uh, he's obviously still shooting threes at a really high rate. Evan Fournier is starting to get back some efficiency um, that he was lacking for a few weeks. Alfred Payton is starting to put up some nice numbers as well at the point guard position, and he had a corner three on Monday. This is a Magic team that's been very confident on the offensive end. Even though uh, they didn't have the evidence to be confident early early in the season, especially coming off of the off of the previous season, if anything, Orlando has begun to establish that identity as a great fast breaking team. Orlando is playing now at the sixth fastest pace in the league, and their offense, despite not having consistent shooters or a consistent go to guy, is essentially the league median. That's a good sign, I believe. I believe it is a sign that the Magic's offense is something that's going to carry over. I mean, we're now 25 games into the season. We kind of know what this offense is. And yeah, it'll still go through its cold stretches and it'll still go through its its areas of stagnation. But this is a team that's going to be able to score points. There was really no point in Monday's game, for instance, where it did not feel like the Magic could come back. If they got the fouling under control, their defense was playing well enough to give them a win. And honestly... That's the frustrating part of the game. That Not that the Magic's offense never came, but that the Magic never really gave themselves a chance to let it come, that they disrupted their own rhythm with the fouling. And yeah, maybe Orlando sometimes settles for mid-range jumpers too much, or there's a little bit of me ball sometimes with a lot of the guys. But overall, the Magic's offense has been the biggest surprise of the first quarter of the season. And there's a lot to like about the way the Magic are playing offense right now. A lot to like. And it's something that feels like it's going to continue. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast sample listening device. Be sure to leave us a review and let us know what you think of the show. Five stars, and then you can trash us in the comments. But we do want to climb the rankings and let everyone know that we, this is a great place to uh, talk and, and listen to discussion about the Orlando Magic. Of course, you can always interact with me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. And of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as Facebook at Locked On Magic. Be sure also to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On NBA Podcast Network. You can now find the Locked On NBA Network on Facebook. Check out lo- Facebook.com and search for Locked On NBA Network. You can also check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network there uh, and get the lowdown on all the teams around the league. Every team has a Locked On locked on podcast that gives you the same daily detail that you get here on Locked On Magic. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's show. Once again, the final, the Orlando Magic, fall to the Charlotte Hornets, 104-94. They're now 10-15 and 15 on the season. Still in that playoff hunt. Let's not give up on that quite yet. Um, easy schedule, easier, easier schedule coming up in the coming weeks. With starting with the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday at the Amway Center, it is Star Wars night, so we will have fun Star Wars gifs all night long on Orlando Magic Daily uh, on at O Magic Daily Orlando Magic Daily's Twitter account, and of course we are always living that poor life, poor life. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I will see you all again tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Magic. 
You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.